Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Praise the name of the Lord. So we're going to talk about uh, how does God deal with those that are in uh, opposition to him. And so who's in opposition to God? Everybody that's not born again. Whether they know it or not, and they're doing it out of rebellion, they are in a position that is, is diametrically opposed to God when they're not born again. And we want to talk a little bit about how does God, and I, I, I'm having to look at split through a few things. Uh, I brought you to Sodom and Gomorrah so that you could see how God deals with those who are in the Old Testament in grave sin uh, and are opposed to him in an Old Testament setting. But in the New Testament setting, one of the things that I want to share with you is is that um, God is indeed, um, I want to say it this way, the needs of those that don't know Jesus Christ or their sin and their sin in this instance, we're not talking smoking, drinking, and alcohol. We're talking, they don't, those things don't do you any good. Those are not what keep you out of heaven. What keeps you out of heaven is not receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But let me talk about this, it, this, this way. The, those spiritual needs or the sin, uh, and, and we can go back to Sodom and Gomorrah, is not a disqualifier for the love of God. Sin is not a disqualifier. In fact, for God and his love, it's a draw card. You see, because the Bible says where sin abounds, even more so grace abounds. The Lord is familiar with the need of those that do not know him, and he knows what it looks like. Now, what does sin look like? There's a lot of ways in a modern world sinful living can look. God is not, uh, he doesn't uh, go, oh my goodness, can't look at those guys. You know, there is not a condemnation that comes. What happens is because of who God is, there is a release of his love that reaches out to them. And it's the role and the position of the church I remember a day when a girl came into our church numbers of years ago when I went, was in Perth in Western Australia. We pioneered a church there, and she came in, and she had lived uh, for numbers of weeks in a situation that was really uh, opposed to uh, the way God would want us to conduct our lives. Because we were a loving church, there wasn't a person that paused and didn't reach out in love. There wasn't a condemning eye. There wasn't questions that she couldn't answer. What there was was the reaching out of the love and the arms of Christ that as she walked in that door, she was precious. When God sent his son, he sent them for when we are in our sin. Don't don't mess up that being a one-time experience. God's love is available, and it is a draw card for those who are in need. In Romans 5.20 in the Amplify, it says this, but the law law came to increase and expand. 
uh, the trespass by defining and unmasking sin. But let's go to this section. But where grace increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace or his unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased all the more. I was in a church in, uh, in this one state one Sunday evening. A man walked in, and I'd been involved in outreach ministry for numbers of years, and a man, it was a, a little denominational church. They had a lot of rules. It was a nice church. People were born again in that church. But a, a wild, drunken guy walked into the church, drunk as a skunk. And he walked into the church, and it was a little bit disruptive, except the service was already over. And I'll tell you what, the noses in the air were like, let's get him out of here. And I thought, I wonder what Jesus is thinking. I remember taking ministers to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, I, I taught evangelism to ministers in Las Vegas. Uh, you know what they say about Las Vegas? What happens is Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, Sin City. I remember when we were ministering to beautiful women that would, you could use the phrase women of the evening, but it was daytime. And they were well endowed and they were parading in front of Caesar's palace. And I remember numbers of the ministers looked at them like, how disgusting. And, you know, God looked at them like, you know, what, what, what need, what can I do, and how can I minister, and what can I bring to them? And I remember ministering to numbers of those ladies. What was missing was love and acceptance and dignity and respect and honor. All the things that Jesus gives, and it's just waiting for them. And many times when offered, many times those women will receive Jesus Christ uh, into their hearts. I have many stories about that. But you see, you know, God gets involved with those who are in sin because he sent his son to those who are in need. And the wonderful thing about getting involved in this evangelism revolution is, is that we get to be just like Christ in our world. You know, we know some people like you, I do. I know some people who are pretty, they're pretty naughty. You know, there's, you, know you can get really, really get up to stuff in today's world. But I just know this, that Jesus loves them so very, very much. Working out of high school, I remember going to... Uh, befriending two ladies. One of them was a librarian. The other one was her friend. She taught English. They were really naughty ladies. You know, and I, and I was a high school teacher, and I would go befriend them because the Lord would tell me to. Oh, my goodness. You know, the stuff those two could get up to. But God was looking for someone to be the church. And they didn't know it, but they, they didn't know what to do. They knew I was a Christian. They didn't want to like me, but they did. And so we would have cups of tea together, and in those cups of teas would be the moments in where I would get to share whatever ever I could find an opening and a gap to let them know how much God loved them. And when I left that school, that high school, and moved on to another position, those two girls were at my going-away party crying their eyeballs out, just absolutely crying. You know why? Because the love of God is incredibly attractive, and he moves through people. People are looking for love. He moves through people. So we might ask ourselves this, this question this evening. So how do we win our world to Jesus Christ? How do, how do we win those cities and suburbs that we live in, places that God's called us to? How do we win the people in our business to Jesus Christ? How do we win people in the mall to Jesus Christ? How do we win people to Jesus Christ in McDonald's? 
you know, in, in the parking lot. How do we win people to Jesus Christ? Well, I'm going to tell you what, that it comes pretty simple. And this will be my first engagement with you about another one of the, ti- the, the, the secrets to supernatural soul winning. God has a rescue plan, and he's always going to start here. He's going to look for a man. He's going to look for a woman. He's going to look for a child. He's going to look for a teenager. He's going to look for a colleague, an employee, a stranger that will come with a message. That's who he's going to look for. That's how he always starts. He's going to look for that person. And he's going to send that person into the marketplace, into our place of business, and he's going to ask you to minister on his behalf. Because his message gets out in the world today through us. Who does he pick? He picks people that know him. You know, you know God, I know God. Well, let's go out and share who we know with people that don't. There's so many ways, and we're going to talk over the next uh, other seminars. We can't do it all in this one. But he's going to send a man, and we're going to talk about other ways that we can share the gospel. This, this seminar is going to have just certain, certain strategies in it, but he's going to send them with a message plan, with a, a, with a strategy, with a rescue plan. You know, see, what, what's, going to be, what's going to be the attraction? You know, it's just me. Well, what is going to be the attraction? Well, love will be the attraction. We're going to talk about the drawing power of God. The Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 32, in the ESV version of the Bible, that if he's lifted up on the earth, and that is if we minister in his name, in any sort of fashion that we minister under assignment in our divine and holy and and sacred destiny, doing the things that God has called us to in the earth, he said, if we'll lift him up, does that mean he, does that mean he, he, he can be lifted up when you bring some kind thing over to somebody and, and help them out? Yes, it says here, he'll be lifted up if you minister in his name, if you share the gospel, if you begin to pray for others, if you begin to do works of, acts of kindness in your, own mark, in your own neighborhood. The Bible says he promises here that if, you're, if, if he's lifted up, if he is lifted up in the earth and you're not just being a sweet lady bringing bickies over, but you've got an assignment from heaven to make the best chocolate chip biscuits you could ever make, and God said, bring them to that lady at 6 o'clock this evening, he will be lifted up. And then this is what he promises. He will draw all men unto him. Ooh. Now let's talk about that drawing. It is a supernatural attraction. You and I, as amazing as we all are, you know, it's sort of amazing souls we are, are. You know, th- we don't have the attractiveness of Jesus. So get the pressure off yourself. You couldn't, you couldn't get person, a person born again anyway. But what you can be is that you can open up your heart to allow Jesus to draw through you. To draw through you. The Bible, you know, we can say this really, really uh, from our own experience. The truth of it is, is that Jesus has a supernatural attraction. There's something that happens that when we engage with Jesus, that the Bible tells it to go straight to the heart. Straight to the heart. The things of God go straight to the heart. They bypass the mind. They bypass the emotions. The things of God are destined with an arrow and a target that goes straight to the heart. You can't lose when you minister with Jesus. 
You're always going to be successful when you're engaged with him with supernatural soul winning. It says in the Greek that this drawing, this drawing that he has, the minute we lift him up, there's a draw. This is, by the whole, this is, this is divine. This is supernatural. This is supernatural soul winning. The minute we lift him up, he engages in drawing. Engages in drawing. The, in the Greek, it is that it, he throws out a net. He throws out a, wet, a net. In the Greek, the word draw means net. And so when we begin to lift him up, just imagine this. We begin to lift him up in our places of business, in our neighborhood. We begin to lift him up, and out goes a net. We begin to lift him up, and out goes a net. We begin to lift him up in, in work, and out goes a net. And you begin to lift him up in McDonald's, and out goes a net. You begin to lift him up in, in, your, in your car as you're driving by, and, and somebody's coming by in your car, and you go, oh, I'm supposed to pray for you. Out goes a net. Out goes a net. This net is the net that's supernatural. It's got the sense of the power of the love of God, and it just drawing, and it's drawing, and it's drawing, and it's drawing. What do we do? We reach out and lift him up. We reach out and lift him up. So if we talk about this, you know, place of drawing nets, I can imagine it this way. You know what? If we kept doing the thing where we would lift him up, people would get tangled in those nets. They'd just get tangled. I'll tell you what, if the streets are full of nets, if woolies are full of nets, the drawing nets of God, the super nets of the Holy Ghost, the attractiveness of him drawing, I'll tell you what, people couldn't, couldn't begin to get, in time, they're not going to be able to get past the love of God. They're going to get stuck in the net, and he's going to keep pulling He's going to keep pulling on that net. Where's that net? It is tugging on their heart. It is tugging on their heart. God designed himself to be someone who would live in their heart. He is the lover of their soul. He is the one that fills the hole in the soul. I was thinking about it this way. The Bible says that if we follow him, he will make us fishers of men. Throw the nets out and throw the nets out and throw the nets out. You know, we could say that if we were really engaged with the things of God in this evangelism revolution of love, that we could really talk about if we're doing the right thing. We could be, we could be workers in fisheries. I had an uncle who worked in the fisheries. I want to talk about fishing. You know what? I, I want to talk. Where's Anna? Is Anna Dickawalla here? I want to tell a story about her. Anna Dickawalla promised me that she and I would go fishing. And this is what Anna told me. I want to go fishing. I keep telling her, I want to go fishing. But Anna said to me, she's never asked me yet. I'm kind of, she's not here, so just tell her. I'm still mad at her. So Anna Dickawalla said that we can go fishing. She's from Papua New Guinea. She's the best fisherman in the family. But Anna said, you know, we might not catch fish. Well, I said, what do you do down there? She goes down to somewhere near Coomer or something, some river or something. And she said, you know what I do is I, I, I set up an, an old chair and I put this old hat on and I get the fishing rod out there. And she said, you know, and I just kind of sit in the sun. And if I catch a fish, I catch a fish. If I don't catch a fish, I don't catch a fish. And I said, if I'm going to go fishing, I'm going to catch some fish. So what's the deal? You got any bait on the line? You got any rods in the water? You got any nets you're tossing out? You know what? You know, this 
fishing nowadays, like you can go to the dock and just put the put the rod in, and it's if you got the right bait, you know, you can go and check that thing every now and then. So you know what? I think we all should be out there cutting bait. You know, I think that bait is full of the love of God. It's full of what God can do. It's full of the healing power of God. It's full of loving Jesus kinds of things. It's like telling people what God can do for them. It's like telling them that, 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 that he can comfort them. He can love them. He can take care of them. He can meet their financial needs. Where's the bait? Let's just hook the bait up to the lines and let's allow Jesus to be lifted up so that he can draw all men to him. And different than Anna Dickawalla, let's go fishing to get some fish. Because all we do is move with the Holy Spirit and make available who he is and what he has. And what we know about him is what the world is looking for. Most of the problem, most of the time, is they have no idea who he is and what he can do for them. God loves them, and he has a great rescue plan for them. I have to watch the time. I can't quite see it, but I have to watch the time. We live in a season of the spirit of the living God, a season of the spirit. And when the spirit came to the earth, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5 and verse 8, that we would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It would come upon us in order to be witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I like to use the word instead of witness that we would minister. When I train about winning the world to Jesus Christ, I talk to people nowadays about ministering in the marketplace. And they seem to be able to slide into that. You know, if someone came to you and you were, uh, you know, in church, sitting next to someone in church and they had a need, you, you just began to talk to them about who God was and what he could do for them. You know what we have, and we're going to talk in our next session a little bit about who Jesus has really called us to personally and the marketplace, and we're going to talk about that. But let me share with you, as harvesters and as fishers for men, the Bible has empowered us to do this work. It's not a burden, it's a privilege. The privilege that he's given us, he's enabled us. And he said if we would lift him up, he would do the drawing. He's the draw card. And he said that when we do so, that all men would come out to him, come unto him. You know, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he told him to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. And on the day of Pentecost, when it was the season of the church, when it was the season of the church to come to the earth, they immediately did exactly what he had called them to do. The church left the upper room, and they immediately on their first assignment went out into the marketplace. They left the building, and they went out, and they lifted him up. Well, who went out to lift him up? Well, everybody that was up there in the upper room, the disciples, Mary, the mother of Jesus, they went all out, you know, everybody who happened to roll up. They went out to minister the gospel. Who went out and ministered the gospel? Everybody who was in the church. The church of the firstborn. Everybody who was in the church ministered out in the marketplace. And what happened was is that there were signs and wonders and miracles. There was a proclamation and people got saved. 
It was a draw by the spirit of the living God, and it was the first action of the church once they got born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to an amazing grassroots revival and movement that's taking place all over the earth. Marisa mentioned it this morning. There are believers sitting in pews, sitting under trees, sitting in, in, in marketplace church buildings, sitting in cathedrals that are being touched by God, that are beginning to say, it's my time, it's my time. I'm going to be a culture shifter. I'm going to be someone that's going to engage with Jesus Christ to win my world to Jesus Christ. There are people all over the earth that are rising up in this movement and in this season and in this hour, and they are engaged with God, bringing the the loss to Jesus Christ. In some instances, they are secret service agents, but they are there. They are there doing the work of Jesus Christ. Let's be that church. Let's be that generation. Let's be a Rhema family church that just can't stay here to just sit. We got to go. We understand. Let's talk about the times, the hours, and the seasons. You know, we're preparing. We've got an assignment right now to prepare the earth for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is coming back soon. You know, it talks in the Bible about uh, the sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar were, uh, you know, heralded as those that uh, had a role in Jewish society. They could always, they knew the times, they kept track of months and years and changes in the moon, the the skies, the stars in the sky. They let Israel know when it was time for the feast and, and things of that nature. But let me tell you, church, it's the time to know what is the season that God has us in. We are those that need to note the seasons and the times. We are preparing the church for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is one thing to understand and know the seasons. And it is a season of salvation. It is the season of revelation. It is the season of harvest. It's not enough to know these things. When we, are, when we are believers that are moving with the spirit of the living God in our season, we become mature. We, come, we become, uh, we become co- I want to say it this way, the best way that we can take our place in these seasons to know the times is to not only know about the season, but also be able to learn to cooperate with the spirit of the Lord within that season. We have to cooperate with the Spirit of the Lord. We are already in the season. We're not waiting for the season to come. We're not announcing the season in church this evening. We are in that season. That season came on the day of Pentecost. It is the season of the Spirit. It is the season of harvest. It is the season of salvation. It is the season of revelation. The Bible says that uh, Jesus got really upset with the disciples. In Matthew 16, verse 3, he said, you know, I've been with you so long, and you, you, can't, you guys can't even interpret the times or the signs of times, the signs of the times. In Luke 19, it says this, verse 41 through 44, somewhere in there, he's, he's again really sad about these things. He said, you, don't even re- you didn't even recognize the time of God's visit. Let me tell you, church, we're not an ignorant church. We know that the Spirit has come. 
We know that Jesus has come to the earth. We know that we have been given authority. We know that we have power on the earth. We know that we know the answer to every problem and every ill in the earth today. We know that Jesus is the answer. We have personal relationships with him. We know him. We've met with him. We commune with him. He's our friend. We know how to talk to God. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you what, we're prime targets for winning the world to Jesus Christ because we are those people. We are those people, and we won't be ignorant of the times. We're not ignorant of the times. We're just getting some stuff to go out to go fishing because we're going to win our world to Jesus Christ. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We're living in the last days, perilous times. You know, the season of the Spirit is here on the earth, but there is an urgency in the hour. There is an urgency. There is a time clock on our, t our, on our time. There is a time clock. And that time clock is, is that Jesus Christ is, is coming back soon. And there's no doubt about it that he's coming back soon. And the signs of the times are that the kingdom of God is near. But it says in John chapter 3, verse 18, that he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. I want to share with you that there is a time clock in our season. The devil is out. We can talk about the devil trying to get us, you know, as the church and, you know, you know, certain things the devil tries to do. We know that. We have authority over the devil. But let me tell you, the target of the devil, the target of the devil is the lost. I'll tell you what, they are right in his sights. The target of the devil is the lost. Uh, he is the enemy of those who do not know Jesus Christ. And the dilemma of the world today is this, is that they do not know, they cannot see, and they do not understand. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.14 of the trans TPT uh, that someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's spirit, for it makes no sense to them. He can't understand the revelation of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. The devil's game is that he would keep people blinded and in darkness. You see, the woman at the well is a, is a perfect example. When Jesus encountered her, he was there. He was in front of her. He, in, he, he let her know that he was the Messiah. But as the information came to her and he continued to reveal her himself to her, she only felt on the first encounter that he wanted a drink of water. He turns to her and he said, you know, if you really knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink of water that would cause you never, ever, ever to thirst again. It was water that would spring up into eternal life. We're believing this evening that those that are lost and dying and going to a Christless eternity is indeed the responsibility of the church. But God's rescue plan requires a voice. It requires action. It requires a strategy. We're going to talk about some of those strategies this evening, and we're going to introduce to you. I've got to watch my time. We're going to introduce to you one of those strategies, and that is the powerful secret to supernatural soul winning through what I've coined the phrase prayer evangelism. We're going to talk about the power of intercession in three different ways, through prayer, through proclamation, and through being involved and engaged in missions in our world. The word intercession is where we stand in the gap for others. And when we talk about soul winning, 
We are standing between God and someone else and the pit of hell that is waiting for them with an answer that would change their lives. It is one of the greatest intercessory acts that we could ever do is to take the plan of God and present it to people that are dying and going to a Christless eternity and like the woman at the well, begin to declare things to them, begin to feed truths to them so that God can draw them, so that he can reveal himself to them, that the power of darkness is broken in their lives. He is there. He, he, is, he is on assignment to keep their, the gospel veiled. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to who? To those who are perishing, who the minds of the God of this ages have blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of the glorious Christ should shine unto them. I'm telling you what, the devil has the lost in his sights. You know, we, you know, I know he comes after us, but we have power and authority over him. We can get a friend to pray if we feel weak. But I'm telling you what, they have no resistance. There is nothing within their natural capability to resist the plan of the devil for them to die, go to a Christless eternity, and remain ignorant. Ignorant of the fact that the simple truth is, I mean, why couldn't we possibly say this to somebody? God loves you. God loves you. The gospel in a nutshell, God loves you. He's got a beautiful plan for your life. You know, if you believe Jesus is the son of God and died and rose from the dead, the Bible said that whosoever calls on his name shall be born again. These things aren't hard. Don't make them a mystery. They're very simple. The believing and the receiving. Let Jesus be the drawer. I'll tell you what, he will do his work. My goodness, we're working with God. We're working with God. These things are supernatural. So when we talk about supernatural soul winning, talking about engaging with God in his business, this is his stuff. We just do our part. God does his part. We're going to talk about prayer. I'm going to introduce Benny to you in just a moment. It says here that prayer goes up before. Well, let's say this. We're in a battle for souls. And uh, prayer paves the way for salvation. Prayer goes up before us and sets up the spiritual atmosphere for an open heart. And we're going to talk about praying for the lost and the power of praying for the lost. In James 5.16, verse B, in the New King James Version of the Bible, it says this, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, woman, child, teenager avails much. In the Passion Translation, it says this, For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. What's released? The power of God to break and dispel the power of darkness. How is it released? When we pray. I mean, who can't pray? Prayer is something that there's not one of us that we cannot do this. We can engage with winning our world to Jesus Christ and start from our knees and, and go into prayer and pray in the marketplace. It says here, in the Amplified, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Let me tell you what, there is an untapped power in prayer for the lost. It's an untapped power in prayer for the lost. When we pray for the lost, we intersect with the heart of our Heavenly Father. For souls is on our Father's heart. As we yield to His Spirit... And as we go into prayer, 
we become daily magnets for assignments that he would give us where we can pray for those that don't know Jesus Christ. The Bible said that we are to pray for all men so that they can become born again. It says here in 1 Timothy 1, 2, 2, 1 through 6, and I'm just picking two scriptures. First of all, I urge you that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for who? For all people. And it goes on to verse 3. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4, who desires? What does he desire? He desires for all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth of who God is. When we talk about intercession, we're talking about ways where we stand in the gap between God and man, doing eternal business. I'd like to turn it over to Benny, who's going to now share how he stands in the gap. He's an intercessor by what he does in the places that God has called him to minister, Benny. Thank you, Pastor Karen. I know about you, but I'm feeling pretty charged to go out there and do something. Looking forward for the rest of the week. How about you all? Yeah, a lot of nods. Um, Such a rich topic. Um, Just being able to partner with God. Just think of that. Partnering with God in your marketplace, in your life, wherever you are. To be able to partner with God, you're partnering with not one who has love, but who literally is love. When we partner with God, it's like saying we're partnering with love because God is love. When we say that we're partnering with God, it's like we're saying we're partnering with wisdom because he is wisdom. And wisdom just knows. It knows the right way to do something, the most perfect way to do something, the most effective way to do something. And God is wisdom. So when we partner with God, we not only partner with love and wisdom, that is what I mean. We partner with love and with wisdom. That's what we're doing every time when we partner with God. And I just want to share, add to um, Pastor Karen's um, practical testimonies of love in the workplace, partnering with God, what it may look like, um, endeavoring and trust in the Lord just to make it, um, bring it out simply, easy. And I want everyone to know that, everyone under the sound of my voice, that this isn't for a select group of people, those that may be specially called to something like this, but it's for every child of God. And I believe that I'm in a room here with the children of God, and the sons of God, daughters of God, and God loves everyone. He wants to reach everyone. That is his heart. He cares for everyone. And what he's looking for is not a perfect vessel. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for a yielded vessel, an open vessel, one that has in his or her heart a heart saying, God, please, would you be able to use me? That's all he's looking for. He's not looking for spectacular, supernatural, talented, graced, super gifted people. He's just looking for ordinary believers, children of God, sons and daughters of God, that would just say, Father, I'm here. Can you use me? That's where it all begins. We all have different graces in our life. What, what may be a grace? It's something that 
you can do with ease that the average person would find difficult. I may be graced to clean at, at my home. <laughs> I vacuum, I wash the dishes, I really enjoy it. I don't know how I'm saying that, but <laughs> um, my parents had taught me to, to do such. And I, you know, um, when it came to marriage, I just realized it was a grace. This is something that comes naturally and easy to me. Cooking, on the other hand, not so flash hot. My wife, however, grace to cook. I mean, she can make something brilliant out of very little ingredients and um, we all have different graces but in the in the marketplace in your life in your day-to-day you have different things about you that God has instilled in you you were born with them and God has put these graces on you for a purpose to be able to recognize those gifts and graces is one thing but then to be able to Realize that God wants to use those graces and giftings he has placed on you for other people is a whole nother thing. And this is one of the secrets of soul winning. Strategies, tips, is recognizing your own graces, your own gifts, things that come real natural and easy to you. So I've known some people that are really grace to cook and they might not be able to go to someone and just share immediately about Jesus but because of that grace to cook they'd cook up something real good and check this out God would use that that grace on that person's life to minister to one that is lost and dying and going to a Christless eternity as Pastor Karen has mentioned and that would just open a person up to hearing more about God what why, why are you cooking this for me? Why, why, you, why would you give this to me? I just felt like the Lord wanted me to, um, you know, cook you this and be a blessing to you. Wow, really? God cares about me that much that he would tell you that? Yeah, I just feel it on my heart. He loves you. Boom, just like that. Using the grace of cooking as a way of witnessing. That's powerful. That's really powerful because from that, they could be open to coming to church where they can come and hear the word and that word could just change their life. At the end of the service, they may be sticking around for the altar call and when the altar call is given, they're like, I need to know Jesus because my friend here has been cooking for me and making this food. It's like, I know there's something special about her or him. There's something special about them. They, they always seem happy. They seem peaceful they seem satisfied with life and they keep telling me about this God and this Jesus who loves me so you can see that just by the simple act of yielding to God saying God I'm here I'm available how can you use me and God would highlight to that person I have graced you I've gifted you to cook to do this to do that to share to talk to give some people are grace to give. Giving is just very natural to them. It's very easy going. Hey, I got extra, you know, fruit. I got extra toys. I got extra clothing. I just have it on my heart to bless you. And this is within the church, but I'm speaking more to those that are not in the church, those that need Jesus, those that need to heal of the goodness of God. For it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. That's what turns people around. It's when they see the goodness of God 
that's what brings them around. That's what opens their heart. And I'm sure all of us could testify it's God's love that is the reason why we're in these seats here today, why we're willing to come to church. It's because at some point in our life, God has reached out to us with his love through a vessel. It's powerful. So I might share just a a personal um, testimony of something I've witnessed um, in my workplace. I work at a sushi train, sushi restaurant, I'm like a waiter. And yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. But when I went to that, when I went to um, the job, like for the first time, and it was more just about learning the job, familiarizing myself with the job. But as time went on, I realized that God could have sent me here for a purpose, for a reason. And it could be for multiple reasons. It could just be for one individual. It could be for multiple individuals. It could be for my boss. And because I had that awareness that, hey, God may want to use me at this workplace, I just opened my heart up to God in the way which I had mentioned, saying, God, I'm just available. I don't know what I can do, but you know me. And you know the people I'm working with. You are wisdom. You know every detail of their life. You are love. And you want to reach out with your love to them. But please, would you be able to show me, in a practical sense, what this is meant to look like? So, on certain shifts, I would be more or less aware of this. But I'll just give you some highlights from when I was aware of this. Because this is another key, another secret to supernatural soul winning. Being aware of God in your workplace. It's easy to get caught up in the grind, in the, um, you know, the day-to-day, the, the menial tasks that we're assigned to do. But it's those times where you, f- you turn your heart towards God, whether before your shift, during your shift, towards the end of your shift. And you're aware of God because that's where God's able to give you something to minister to someone. Well, there was this time, I remember, and um, I was in the back just washing dishes and there was a particular guy which my heart would really go out to this guy and um, I hadn't shared anything about God or anything from his perspective I was just no different to anyone else out there except I seemed to be pretty happy at work (laughs) well one day I just said to him I said hey um, you know do you have any sort of um, background any religious background and he just says yeah I'm a pagan and I was my first thought was whoa man like pagan i'm reading old testament and you know pagan worshipers devil worshipers so i was like oh wow like do you like you know what what sort of pagan you know are you like devil worship (laughs) he's like what he's like devil worship he's like no no there's all there's like he's like i'm not too sure myself My, my mom's like a pagan and so i guess i'm a pagan and i was like okay neat neat and um he said yeah what about you so because i asked him i felt prompted just to ask him, hey, do you have any religious background? That was one of the openers I felt the Lord impressed on me. We're already going in a direction where he has mentioned his faith, his religion, his experience, and now he's asking about me. So I was like, all right, great. (laughs) And I I got to explain that I'm a Christian and um, I'd grown up in the church, but it was all like dead to me. It wasn't real to me. God wasn't that real to me. And after years of that, and there came a time where I was just like, nope, I've had enough. I'm not going to church. I'm not doing this whole thing. And I went off and 
my life wasn't satisfied. It felt like something was missing. And deep down, I knew I needed to know God. That's what I truly wanted. And after a certain amount of time, um, God had got me back and I, at the age of 23, and I was just so on fire for God. I just wanted to learn about God, and I fell in love with God, and it hasn't stopped. And um, yeah, we just got into this whole discussion, and he just really was able to hear out my personal testimony, and he wanted to. This wasn't something I, I just approached him and very abrupt and rough, but this was something initiated by himself, simply because I had made myself available to God, and God said, hey, you've got, got to ask him this. And I asked him, and we got this whole conversation happening. And um, there, there's other ways of ministering to people. This was one of just sharing um, personal experience. We all have a personal experience. We all have a personal testimony that we can say, God is real to me because of and the world, they need to hear your testimony. But there's so many people. How do we know who's going to heal and who's not? By being available to God, who is wisdom, and he'll be like, this person is drawn to you. This person is open to hearing you out. This person is not. This person really wants to hear you out. This person really doesn't. So just by following those promptings we have on the inside. That is the most effective way to minister. So we've talked about being available and also recognizing your graces, your giftings, and just being able to share from your own personal testimony. That's just one of the ways. Another way is using your personality. We all have different personalities and different people gravitate to different personalities. But God knows your personality. He knows how he made you, how you're wired, how you talk, how you react, your language. And God knows the people that need to know him will gravitate to your personality over someone else's personality. By you being open and available to God and being humble to God and say, God, I'm available. Who are you highlighting to me? You're going to have certain promptings in your spirit about this person over another person. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love the other person. You just have to trust God that he's going to use someone else to minister to that person. It makes it real simple and real easy to minister because you're not ministering out of pressure or, man, I'm going to go out there and win this person or that person or the whole store. But it's more effective and I feel it's, accurate and precise it's precision ministry where you're being open to the holy spirit the holy spirit will highlight a particular individual that you might have known that you could have worked with them 20 times 50 times but you know that they like you you know that they're open to you you know that they can share things to you that they probably wouldn't share to other co-workers simply because they like you more or they gravitate to you more could be an employee, could be a supervisor, whichever it is, it's just being aware of yourself as well as the Holy Spirit. The most effective ministry is when we partner with God rather than ourselves. 
it's possible to partner with yourself because you just go in your own head and say, I'm just going here and I'm going to do that, say this, say that. But you haven't checked in with God yet. If you check in with God, that is how you get those precision ministry, the precision. um, It's like the bait, but that's how you get the fish more open, more comfortable, more, yeah, I guess just open to God and receiving Him. And I want to also mention that every, every seed is important and significant. It doesn't have to be grand. They don't have to, you know, um, say the prayer, fall across, you know, the floor and start weeping, have a, a huge encounter. But it could just be something so small, like cook this person this, bless this person with that. I see this person seems to be struggling with this and I have it on my heart to give him that. Something so small, but it becomes significant because you have heard from God. And that's one of the most satisfying things about this soul winning. When you hear from God and you know you've heard from him, when you see that life changed or affected or moved or even more open to God, I'm not ever... um, I guess, despondent or or upset if someone doesn't receive Jesus immediately off my first encounter or second encounter or third encounter or even tenth encounter. If I know that I've been planting those seeds, I know I'm doing what God wants me to do. And I know that person is in a much better off condition to being more open to God and receiving Him rather than before God was able to encounter them through myself as a vessel. It's fantastic. So with that in mind, I'm just going to conclude. There'll be a bit more. Looking forward to Emily Preston's part on prayer. And we're just going to stop for a 10-minute break. We'll see you guys at 7. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.